0: Hi there, I'm James Zapperti and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are talking about the construction of some contractual clauses. And before you fall asleep, uh, it's going to get pretty interesting. There's going to be injunctions and all that sort of fun stuff as well. What's going on today? We have got a business that is operated by a company and that business involves the sale of software and we're just gonna have to set the scene for the software market before we march on Um, this software relates to the running of businesses it's the sort of software as a service software that our sellers like our company today will sell to a business client and if i can have planted really firmly in our minds that there are two sort of tiers to this sort of software and i know so little about software um, but, hopefully, this explanation will assist you in understanding. We have a level of software that we're going to call BC, which is sort of uh, Business Central. Uh, it's a type of Microsoft product, it doesn't matter that it's Microsoft or not, but I'll just have in mind, this is your kind of um, entry-level sort of software that'll be priced uh, around about perhaps $100,000, up to about three dollars or $400,000, and very, very rarely more than $500,000. We then have a product called something like F&O, Finance and Operations. And that's a product that's sort of its smallest price is gonna be around about your 500 and then heading up. So if I can just have that planted in your mind, we've got a sort of uh, BC sort of uh, product here and we've got an F&O product here. And they assist businesses in going about their business. They do similar things, but the more expensive one is for want of a better word better and we're going to get into why that matters as we march on today so do you remember we were talking about this business being operated by a company before and remember a company is not a business uh, the business is the sale of the f and o software as a service and so this business sells f and o software and the company that operates the business is purchased by a third party this purchaser and that purchaser is not in the F&O business at the time, so they purchase the business from a natural person, a real person, and from a company, and then this purchaser comes to own the business. Now, the purchaser was previously doing BC work, speaking broadly. They can now add this new F&O capability onto it, so they're now in a strong position having made this purchase. They can cover the field with BC clients, and they can also cover the field with F&O clients. Part of this contract for the sale of this business included a non-compete clause, which restricted the various ways that the relevant natural person, who we're going to call the defendant and the defendant's company, but we'll just join them together and, and call them the defendant for the sake of this discussion, that prevented various things the defendant could do. It prevented the defendant from soliciting clients from the company that it had just sold, it prevented clients from soliciting employees. And it prevented the, uh, sorry, the defendant was prevented from competing in the relevant area. And essentially, what we've got today is we've got our plaintiff, who's the purchaser, coming to court to say, "I want the court's help to enforce these restrictions and to stop the defendant from doing these various things." Now, we're talking today about the final hearing. So the plaintiff is seeking final interlocutory—I withdraw the word interlocutory—seeking final injunctive relief. Now, an injunction stops someone from doing something, broadly speaking, there can be positive injunctions, but we'll leave that for another time. But the short point is, there are already what we lawyers call interlocutory injunctions on foot. So the defendant is already prevented from doing a number of things and has given undertakings that they won't do some other things. So there are already these preventions in place. The question is, are these preventions going to continue on forever because there'll be a final injunction Or is the court going to say, no, we won't be continuing the injunctions. And there are other issues based on the undertaking as to damages that an applicant for injunctive relief uh, will have to give, but we'll leave that discussion for another time, sadly, because it's very interesting as well. And so what we have today is our plaintiff saying, look, great, we've got these interlocutory injunctions, these injunctions that are on foot now, but we want this final relief. Now, um, the not soliciting clients element Um, is one that was sort of agreed to be a little bit uh, not the focus of the court's attention. Uh, The issue about dealing with the supplier, well the supplier you might remember is a very very big software provider I mentioned at the start of this video. So restrictions on dealing with that supplier at all were not really the focus of the judgment um, because for a restraint to hold it needs to be reasonable and so the focus of the discussion on the reasonableness question was about the defendant's new company. The whole reason that these proceedings are being kicked off. So the defendant starts one new company and is appointed to the board of another separate new company and essentially is returning to the software area. And what they say is, look, I'm not coming into the F and O space. I'm coming into the BC space and the upper end of it. And that might sound a little bit wonky, but there's some very useful, with respect expert evidence and a very useful review by the judge that assists us in understanding so if we're talking about remember i used those numbers before something like a hundred to four hundred thousand and something like five hundred thousand plus for f and o and you know the other the other range for bc well the court sort of has to grapple with if the director has a restraint sorry if the defendant has a restraint is prevented from going into f and o due to the non-compete does that non-compete extend to BC work. Because remember, the business that was purchased was in the F&O space, not really the BC space so much. And the new business the defendant wants to start is in the BC space. So there's one element that says, well, if the defendant's going for the upper end of the BC space, is that kind of getting to the lower end of the F&O? Is that sort of, uh, is there a gray area there? And as I say, the expert gave some very useful evidence to assist us in understanding this, he compared f and o to a b double truck you know those terrifying monstrous sort of semi-trailers with extra stuff glued onto them um, to a uh, ute uh, which has a lot of extra trailers and a lot of extra stuff glued onto it and so the argument is yeah look broadly speaking a ute like a utility vehicle uh with some extra whiz-bang stuff is better than a basic ute but we're sort of talking about different things when we're trying to compare a very good ute with an entry-level B double truck and so that's kind of the question that we're forced to contend with here is is this sort of entry-level upper end of the entry-level space that the defendant's looking to inhabit sufficiently caught within the definition of F&O that the target company that the company that was purchased was engaging in and the really really short answer is no. no these were sufficiently distinct and so what the court ordered was that the plaintiff who was seeking to get the injunction the purchase of plaintiff who said i want an injunction forever stopping the defendant from competing in this bc space um, that was not granted the application for the injunction failed and so there's every reason to expect costs will follow the event so i hope that assisted you in understanding uh, some non-compete clauses some fun contractual stuff and it assisted me in learning the tiniest bit about software as well i look forward to speaking again soon hope you have a great day whatever i say at the end another coffee and a case note soon wacko